Evening, everybody. Welcome back to the next Evermore podcast. It's episode six. As you can see, I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined by the usual face of James Lynch. And we're gone stateside to introduce Adam Beckett to the first ever Evermore on your debut, mate. How are you, Lance? Doing great. Happy to be Very here. Very well, mate. Very well. How are you, Paul? Very good, very good. As you can see, we're, we're one body light. Uh, the blue tick man is having a rest because he does about 400 podcasts a week. There's little Dan Wales, bless him. So he's uh, he's resting those weary legs. We are expecting the Welsh wizard to drop in at any moment in diaries. So uh, we will certainly be uh, be getting stuck into everything that is Newcastle United because yet again, lads, it has been a very up and down week for Newcastle United. So uh, without further ado, let's get stuck into tonight's topics. And uh, I'm going to depress all of you as if you've had a really nice weekend and bar the football, obviously, and you've been in a good mood today because it's time to take you back to Saturday and Watford at home. Now, coming to you on this first, Adam, a crap result, really, mate. A draw. In your opinion, mate, was it a point gained or two points lost, mate? Well, it was undoubtedly two points lost. Um, Newcastle are running out of opportunities to pick up points uh, against the teams around them, um, which you would think is our best chance of picking up points. I know we've now played everybody around us and obviously only beaten Burnley. Um, and we've played them all at home, uh, which again, you think would be an advantage for us playing at home versus playing away. But maybe that's not going to be the case this year if we are going to get out of this scrap. Um, or finish uh, top of the bottom four, as it looks like it's going to be, then we're going to have to beat these teams away. Uh, and maybe that's just how we're going to have to do it this year. Obviously, the the Watford um, opportunity has been and gone, both home and away now. It's hard to think that we can stay up um, having not beaten Watford home or away this year, uh, given how poor they are. And apart from anything else, um, we just needed to create a bit of momentum. I mean, I know that the Cambridge game should have been an opportunity to create some momentum. I'm still not quite sure what happened that day. It might have just been one of those one in a million situations where um, we didn't win. But again, the Watford game would have created a lot of momentum on the pitch. But equally as important, probably it would have created a little bit more momentum off the pitch in the transfer market. I can imagine if you were a transfer target of Newcastle looking at the results on Saturday night, it would have made a great deal of difference to the club's pursuit of players, I think, had they been 17th uh, and not 19th. You know, being above that dotted line, even only for a week or two, I think would have made a massive difference to everybody at the club, from the owners to the manager to the players and, frankly, to the prospective players um, that may or may not be coming in over the next couple of weeks. So huge opportunity lost. And my big fear now is that we're just running out of opportunities. It's interesting. James said something really similar Adam, on, on last week's episode as well, where I think you and I got into it, James, didn't you, in terms of whether you thought this would affect players wanting to come to the club or not. I tend to decide on exactly what Adam's saying there as well. I mean, I think you're losing games like Cambridge, losing against teams like Watford, who, let's face it, weren't great. I think we had about 60% possession lads in the game, I think, didn't we? Looking back at it, you know, are you are you on the same side there as, as Adam, James? Do you think this is going to affect us? I know you said last week it probably wouldn't, the Cambridge game. Do you think this is going to you know, cause more trouble for getting players through the door? Well, of course it will. Um, it was just a horrible, horrible performance at the end of the day. And, and it was a hammer blow, wasn't it? It was a sucker punch, that equaliser. And But but it was on the cards. You could see it coming a mile off. We just, we just didn't kill the game off and we were punished for it and deservedly so. 
But when you're down the bottom like we are and defend the way we do, it was it was no surprise really. And and I did. I said on last week's show, I thought I thought it would be a draw. We are a team of of losers right now, and and we have absolutely no confidence. We've got no belief in ourselves, and it looks like there are a lot of players that have just pretty much thrown the towel in now. Um, I thought Lascelles was absolutely shocking. Shelby and, and Longstaff were woeful. Maximin was was pretty terrible, apart from his his wonder goal. And, and it does look like right now, if Maxi doesn't do that in games, we're done for with with, Mil, uh, with Wilson missing. I can't see Chris Wood scoring 10 goals between now and the end of the season. Um, and there has been a lot of talk about dropping Maximin now, especially after his performance against Watford. And, you know, I can't understand the argument to a point. But if you do do that, then, well, who's going to score goals? I kind of think of anybody right now who is contributing like what he is in the goal scoring department. But yeah, the sum up very, very frustrating. If you can't beat a team at home who's lost their last seven games, then you've got no chance, have you? I totally agree, mate. I, th I think what, what disappointed me the most, I mean, there, there was a couple of positives out of the game. I think one for me was to see Paul Dummett back. You know, yeah. he's, he's been out yeah. for so long, coming back into the team. And, and the sad reality is for that defence as well. Kieran Trippier aside, maybe. You know, Dummett was the one shouting at them. He was the one pulling them in line. He was the one telling them where to stand and where to go. He looked twice the captain Jamal Lascelles did, in my opinion. But I know we're going to get stuck into Eddie Howe in a minute. Dai's on his way to join us. He's just messaging the group there. And he, he's got a real being his bonnet about Eddie Howe. And I think, you know, he thinks he's getting a bit of a free pass, I think. But I think it was weekend game management as well by Eddie Howe that when you look at the equaliser, you know, Dummett is, is done really when the cross comes in. The lad hadn't played since the last game of last season. You know, mm. Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall, the pair of them are standing there hand in hand like fucking Ant and Deck. You know, surely they can see that this lad is flagging a bit and he hasn't played for so long. You know, why is he not making that decision? Adam, what was your take on that? Do you think Eddie Howe has got to take blame for that <clears> goal and not making a change? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, and I think he probably knows that. I think he's a smart enough manager to know that he's made a mistake. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't the only one. I mean, I think the, the lineup itself, like James said, there were some issues with that with that starting 11, having both Shelby and Longstaff is is really sort of irrelevant when you're playing at home. It doesn't make a lot of sense to have both of them playing, particularly with the role now that Joel Linton seems to be playing. Um, it's a bit like having three defensive midfielders, which is why Chris Wood looks so isolated. Um, but as soon as the goal went in, um, the whole atmosphere changed watching it on TV. Obviously, I'm sure it was the same in the stadium too. I think the worst thing we did in that game was score when we did. Uh, if we had scored about 20 minutes, 25 minutes later uh, and had less time to hold on, um, then it would have made a big impact on the end result. You either needed to score early to create a lot of momentum or you needed to score late because you knew that as soon as we went 1-0 up, the panic would set in, like it does in every almost every game. And Newcastle tend to score first. I think they've scored first in half their games this season and only won one of them, obviously. Um, but how did make a mistake? I think he made a mistake by not bringing Almer on or Willock on earlier. Yeah, I think really he, I think he almost brought Willock on about 15 minutes or so before their goal, but for some reason changed his mind, which was which was stunning to me because you could mm. see both Shelby and Longstaff were really struggling in the last 10 minutes. Um, I think he brought Mur Murphy on, didn't he, at, uh, with 15 minutes ago, and then he, I think it yeah. was Almer on came after. Yeah. It, that's exactly right. And I don't know why he changed his mind on Willock. I mean, Willock's got legs, if nothing else. And we needed legs in that midfield um, for the last 15 minutes or so. The the, the problem with Richie, uh, uh, sorry, with, with Dummett is that the only option you really had was, was Richie. You didn't have Jamal Lewis 
on the bench. It's going to be interesting which one of those comes uh, starts at the weekend. Will it be Lewis or will it be Dummett? Can you go back to back with Dummett? I, I don't know. Lewis is obviously coming back from an injury. So if you bring Richie on at left back, you create another whole set of problems, in my opinion, because he's such a poor defender, particularly at stopping crosses. So I think Howe did make a mistake overall with how he managed the period between when we scored and when they scored. Um, but, you know, it's not the first time, like I said, we've led in so many games this season and not seen them out. And some of that is on the manager, both the managers, uh, all, all three of the managers we've had. Um, and some of that is on the players as well. Absolutely. Well, you can see we've been joined by our Welsh wizard there, Di from, uh, from Amsterdam. How are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Sorry I'm late. I've had a, a nightmare day that I will not bore everyone with. Uh, but I no, apologise <laughs> Well, to be fair, Adam was just telling us about the nightmare day that we all had on Saturday, mate. So I'm, I'm going to bring you straight. I'm going to bring you straight in and not baby step you. Adam has just made a really good point there, and it's something that has really been pissing me off for a long time. And James hit a nail on the head before as well. This is a team of losers. The mentality is just they go out to not lose games rather than win games. And the minute a goal goes in, like you say, Adam, instead of pushing forward, they seem to regress and in, in, in panic almost and think, oh, what do we do rather than pushing forward for a second goal? What's your take on that, diet? Did you see that as well on Saturday? And is there any way to fix that for this manager? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's a great point. I, I, you know, we've seen it for a long time as well. I think that's a mentality thing that's come through from Steve Bruce. I'm sure, I, I hope I'm not repeating, but I'm sure I am. But, <laughs> we haven't um, got there yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> I, I think the big thing for me is in terms of what you can do to change it, I think you've got two options. One of them is probably what's happening in the minute, which isn't working, which is how instills in the players that they do get further up the pitch. They press, they press. And from people I've spoken to at the match, he is shouting that at them. He is trying to get that message across and it's not happening. That in and of itself is, you know, is a worry. The second part of that there is, so what happens next? Because it's happened more than once. So what do you, what do you do next? For me, the, the option or the most logical solution would be to go five at the back. And I know people would see that as a backward step, but yeah. it's not like we're scoring loads of goals with four at the back anyway. So I don't think we're taking, we're detracting too much from our attacking side of things. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I hope you haven't got to the, the point I was going to make about how and, and the comparison with Bruce. So well, we're going to come on that after this, mate. Yeah, we've got, we've got some serious detail to go into on that one, mate. So yeah. we'll get you involved big time in that. Yeah. The final thing there is is that if 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 our big thing is we only ever seem to score one goal in a game, which I think is what really is happening, then we need to make sure we keep clean sheets, and we're not we're just not doing that. And at the minute, four at the back isn't isn't solving that, isn't the solution. So I, even if it doesn't work, I think it's worth trying five at the back just because we're trying something new. And I think he needs to be more proactive in that sense, in my opinion. There's loads of other stuff. Bringing off ASM too late, for example, uh, against Watford, I think was a, was a big hindrance. Not uh, addressing the fact that Chris Wood, uh, that I don't blame him for that, but you know he didn't have a particularly great game. He wasn't great holding the ball up. And anytime he did hold the ball up, there was no one around him. You know, A lot of that isn't Eddie Howe's fault. That's the situational thing. But I feel like if we are going to sit deeper, I don't want to invite that. I don't want that to be our thing, but we need to be proactive in that situation. James, just just coming to you on this as well, kind of for the next game. I'm petrified by this. I mean, we're doing a proper match, uh, fixture, uh, fixture focus, sorry, with a Leeds fan uh, on Thursday, Mark and I. So make sure you tune into the channel, guys. But just to bring you in, James, on that one, Leeds are a high energy, high pressing team. And I think Adam hit the nail on the head there. Dummett looks to be the best option at left back without a shadow of a doubt. He got done 
relatively easy um, towards the back end of that game. How on earth is that back four going to cope against Bielsa's team and the way they play? Mate, are you worried about this game? I can only see one winner in this one, and, and that's Leeds. Look, yeah. Leeds were brilliant against West Ham on Sunday. I watched that game. They absolutely tore them apart. Rafinha, what a player, class act. Um, he's much better than anything we've got. He's, he's in like a much better version of, uh, of ASM, isn't he? But Jack Harrison, Click, Dallas, all really good players, all dangerous. I mean, they are still missing Calvin Phillips and Patrick Bamford. That's probably the only positive I can say about this. Um, but personally, I still think we'll get beat. Right now, the way we're playing, especially after the Cambridge and Watford performances, I genuinely, I can't see us beating anybody. The one game I was looking at thinking we would win was the Everton game at the start of next month. And now that one's gone out the window because, look, Rafa was doing such a shite job there. I thought we would beat them because of that. But now he's gone. I think we'll lose that one. Yeah, yeah I'm really afraid, mate. I'm, I'm not feeling up, uh, optimistic at all about anything uh, with, with the club at the moment. And I just can't see where the next three points are going to come from. Adam, just to bring you in on that, we're going to get into the tune transfer talk a little bit later in the episode, but bringing in a couple of players, two or three bodies, is that the only way that, that we reverse what James is saying there and, and maybe get a result, mate? Or or even at that, do you think it's, it's almost a little bit too late? You know, we've kind of had our chances and they've gone by. Yeah, I think the, the most likely outcome is that we've already had our chances and, and staying up is going to be virtually impossible now. Um, that being said, you know, where are the next three points coming from? They'll come from somewhere really weird. It'll be a completely unexpected game. You know, like I, I still think back to when we beat Spurs away when Joel Linton scored. We'd lost our first two games of the season and everybody was feeling exactly like they're feeling now. Um, and we went up there and beat them 1-0. It's just a, it's a weird, it, football's a weird game. That's why they make you play all the matches, right? We'll, we'll get three points and it will come from somewhere really unexpected. Um, but just going back to, to the point about the five at the back, um, I think Leeds is actually a really good situation to play five at the back. Um, I think you can play Dummett left centre back and, and Lewis um, left wing back, and you can sort of start to nullify some of what Rafinha gives them. What you can't do is do what we did last weekend and leave our left back exposed um, to a player as good as Rafinha um, by playing ASM on on the left wing or left of left of midfield. So. You've got sort of two options where you can go five at the back, but still play as true wing backs, almost like a three-four-three, which is actually what Howe did in his first game when he wasn't when he wasn't there. They played three-four-three against Brentford and looked like a much better attacking team for large portions of that game. And I felt like, oh, maybe maybe this is what he wants to do. He wants to play Joel Linton and St. Maximum up next to Wilson, um, but still have coverage at the back, sort of do a do a true um, 3-4-3. But he's never done that again. I've never seen him play that formation again. So I don't know if they saw something in that game um, other than <laughs> other than the three goals we conceded to a team that had lost five in a row um, that just, just scared them off doing that. Um, but we're going to have to play that way, I think, um, in the short term because what we're doing right now doesn't work um, and, and, and won't work. Um, I don't know if they want to try and play Wilson and Wood up front um, together, which... I wouldn't have a, a problem with because they've both looked so isolated um, at times, you know, would this weekend and Wilson throughout the rest of the season. Um, I just don't know if signing players is going to be the big thing that changes now, particularly as I will talk about this more in a minute, but we are beyond the point now where we're trying to sign our biggest targets um, and we're on to trying to sign who's available. 
which is a massive mind shift um, on the 19th of January, you know, two thirds of the way through the window now. We've really only signed, I think, Trippier, who was probably our top right wing back target or right back target. Chris Wood was probably third or fourth, maybe fifth yeah. down the list, but he was the one that was available at a, at a most important time. We're, we're moving away from the likes of Botman, um, Darwin, Nunes, the people that were probably our top two or three targets in each position. Um, so the players we sign between now and the end of the window, which, by the way, probably won't be more than one or two, um, aren't going to be the ones that were our top targets. They are going to be the ones that become available. I'm not, I don't know what will happen with Diego Carlos. That seems like one of those ones that won't go away. And maybe we do get him, but we're going to have to pay, you know, 50 million probably, um, which I'm totally fine with. I don't give a shit. It's not my money. Spend 100 million if you have to. Um, do what you <laughs> have to do. Where is the money, Adam? Why are the penny pension? <laughs> yeah. Just spend the bloody money. Um, we're supposed to have loads of it. But yeah, I, I get the feeling now that the players we sign between now and the end of the window will mostly be about who was available and probably not about who we really wanted to change the team. Fully agree just with before, that, Adam. Fully agree. Yeah. yeah, just before we get stuck into the, the next topic, Dad, just just you finish us off with Leeds, mate. You're you're normally quite optimistic about things. Um, how are you feeling about that Leeds game? Do you think we're do you think we're gonna get absolutely annihilated by Bielsa ball or do you think we've got a chance? It's a strange one. And I do think it's, it, it might actually be a, a strange game. You're talking there, Adam, about a game we might get something out of. Leeds are a team that you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, they lost to West Ham in the Cup. They then beat West Ham the week later. They conceded seven against Man City and four against Arsenal, but did score three against Burnley. They do always seem to concede. Uh, so I do think we have a chance in, in, in terms of going forward and getting something from them. Obviously, the big question is, can we keep them out? You know, personally, I, I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, I, I was going to say the exact same thing, Adam, about the, the five at the back. Looking at how Leeds play with basically one holding midfielder and everyone else go and knock yourselves out, I think we have to play five at the back, mainly because they are a very fast team. And if we are likely to sit deep, as we, you know, seem to enjoy doing, then I think that will almost play to our strengths in the loosest possible sense because you know Dan James for you know is playing up front for them at the minute in the, in the absence of Bamford he's he's a very good player I, I've got a lot of time for him but he's not a center forward um I it's interesting actually I, I would I would I was thinking about the the 343 against Brentford and I think the thing that needs tweaking there especially against this lead side and it does leave us a little bit ex exposed one on one but is we have to involve ASM I know uh, you know he can be a bit of a, a show pony and he can frustrate and whatever. He is, whether we like it or not, he's the only person who is, is capable of creating something out of nothing. And that's yeah. what we need at the minute. I will say just one more thing on that. If I see one more person say, I never want to see ASM play for us again, I'm going to have such a big tantrum. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly well, if, if we go down, you'll probably get your wish come true because you will fuck off in a heartbeat if we go down, to be fair. Because he's not, he's not going to hang around, is he? But, rid but yeah. Ridiculous statement. He's by far and away our most talented player. So we've, we've got to involve him. He's frustrating. I, I, you know, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't particularly like him, but we've got to get him involved. And for me, the way to get him involved... If we're asking him to press and play wide and whatever, I, I don't think we do the best of him. And how has Tri played him through the middle? Because he obviously doesn't trust him defensively. What about putting him through the middle with someone else where he has a relative free role? He doesn't have to do too much. 
And I would say also would encourage the fullbacks, perhaps in a natural position, Lewis and, and Trippier to, to attack and provide crosses. So for me, I would go like a, a 5 3 2 almost and have, uh, I, again, like the, the, the same back five. I don't know if people would prefer Mankio to Lewis, at, you know, and Mankio out of position at left wing back, perhaps, but that's a possibility. Have Longstaff, Shelby, and even Willock as a kind of number eight player to try and link things and say to ASM, do you know what, mate? Go left, go right, knock yourself do what you out. Want. You someone yeah, do, do what you want. So uh, that's how I would go for I think that's, you know, I, I was going to say that's our only chance against some people from the game, which is an incredibly arrogant thing to say. But um, <laughs> what, what, I, what I mean is, I guess, is, is there, there needs to be a change of system in some way, I think, if we're going to get something out of the game. And I think if we approach it the same as we have done, whether it's four two three one or whatever, I just don't see it working out for us. So there's definitely goals in the game for us, but I think it all comes down to whether we can keep a clean sheet. And you know, you talked about Carlos there. I, I, for me, I, I don't really think signings are going to make a huge amount of difference at this stage of the game. I know I, I, we're going to come to transfers, but we obviously need something. But I think if we're going to get these players in and get these transfers, there also needs to be something else to go with that. We can't play the same system and just plug new players in. It, it doesn't work like that. There is a bigger systematic issue, in my opinion, beyond the mentality of the players. Which which we're going to come on to uh, right now. But just to remind everybody, we are going to have a fixture focus on the Leeds game. We'll be joined by a Leeds fan who's very pragmatic, typical Leeds fan. He's watched them all his life, so he, he never gets too carried away. So it's definitely worth watching that one because you, you get to live the life of a Leeds fan as well. And uh, they've had worse times than we have, to be fair, over the years. But just a nice segue, Di, as you mentioned there, there is bigger problems afoot here. So we're going to move into the next category here, which is how's Eddie doing? My little play on words there. Um, and... Uh, we are live on YouTube tonight, guys, so please feel free to join us in the comments below, just like Stu has, before we get stuck into these stats. So none of the players want to run off the ball and be on the striker. It's the same when Wilson plays, in my opinion. The only ones who can do it around Ramon and Fraser play one of those closest to Wood. That's a very good shout on that, Stu. So we'll pick up on that in a little bit, guys, but just to pull up the next slide that the Mark, our stat man, has put together. I hope everybody's sitting comfortably here watching along because this is going to scare the living shit out of you. Freddy Krueger won't give you as many nightmares as this slide's going to. So so we asked Mark to do, Die in particular asked Mark to do an Eddie Howe versus Steve Bruce comparison, as you can see there, just to talk you through this radar in the middle if you guys aren't too sure about it. So Bruce is in the gold and Eddie Howe is in the blue. So just... It's eight games for Bruce this season and nine for Howe. As you can see there, no wins for Bruce. Three draws, five defeats. One win for Eddie Howe, as, as Adam mentioned, against Burnley. Four draws and four defeats. But the most key factors here and the frightening factors here is in the radar grid. So the blue is Eddie Howe and the gold is Steve Bruce. Now, as you can see, the interceptions and points are higher in Eddie Howe's favour, as are the shots on target percentage. Um, but the goals against is round about the same. But the worrying thing is here is that goals for are much higher in the Steve Bruce category um, and pass completion and possession is also higher in the Steve Bruce camp here, which I don't think any of us would have even envisaged that whatsoever, as well as passes per 90 minutes. So just leave that up for, for a little second to, to digest, guys, and then I'm going to take it off. So, um, James, I'm going to come to you first on that. Are you surprised at that, mate, or, or what? That is... That is genuinely frightening. Um, I didn't realise it was it was that bad, actually, if I'm honest. But um, look, I haven't seen anything from our performances since since Eddie Howe's been at the club to indicate he will keep us up. 
I think he's been in charge now for what, 10 games. I think we've 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 talked about um before. We've been hammered by Leicester, hammered by Man City, beaten comfortably by Arsenal Liverpool, lost against Cambridge. Yes, we drew against Man United and beat and beat Burnley, but we dropped points against Norwich, Brentford and and and, uh, and Watford. So that's what seven points out of a possible 27 in the league. Now, if you can't beat Brentford, Norwich, and Watford at home, you might as well just give up. That just isn't good enough. And, and to be honest, that is the kind of form we were used to under Bruce. Um, look, the only good performance under Howe has been the Man United game, and, and we couldn't even hang on to win that. So there is there is something inherently wrong with these players with this squad. And um I think it is fair that we've questioned the manager now. I fully, fully uh, believe it is right that we do, given our current plight. And I am beginning to doubt him now. If we lose these next three games, the season's over, if it isn't already. And we won't come back from that. And I think Eddie Howe probably realises that too. These next three games are crucial. And, and if we do go down, which sadly I, I believe we will, I think you'll be gone in the summer. It's a good shout. Di, you were obviously very vocal about this and you asked Mark to, to crunch his, his stat computer, which I hope he's done very well for you there. Um, but that really frightens me as well. And I'm kind of erring on the same side as James here that I didn't want to write anyhow off so quickly. But when you see those kind of stats, I know stats can be manipulated, but it is quite worrying. And I haven't really seen um, a new manager bounce either. The games, if you look at them, we'll, we'll go into more detail in the second once you and Adam have you say, but they are quite comparable fixture wise. And you know, did that surprise you seeing that? I mean, was that something that you were worried about initially? I mean, it, it was it was definitely something I was worried about. I think what what I was mainly looking at before you kind of sent that round in advance was the goals for and against. And that was the thing that kind of surprised me most. And then when you actually start thinking about it, it's actually mind-blowing how the things I and probably a lot of us expected from how haven't materialised. I expected more goals scored and the cost of that to be more goals conceded. And in actual fact, we've somehow tightened up at the back despite two spankings and we've conceded fewer goals. And, you, you know, I think you, I think we've scored eight goals in the Eddie Howe era. Three of them were in the same game. He wasn't even there either. <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking that away from him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can he catch COVID again? We might win another yeah. game if he catches I mean, COVID again. I, I, I want to make one thing clear. Because again, I, I hate the thing of you know, I'm not going to give uh, breath to the to the article that was posted in one of our groups today about slagging off Newcastle, and we're looking forward to seeing you at the den next year. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. Get in the sea. But I hate that thing of everyone. You know, Newcastle fans are this. Newcastle fans are that. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying Eddie Howe out. I'm saying we are at a point now where he needs to do something to change it. And when I saw that slide when it first sent round. The thing I expected from an Eddie Howe team was a high press in some way, shape or form. And we're doing that less than we did under Steve Bruce. That that really, really concerns me. And I worry if we've A, got the right manager for this rebuild, but at the wrong time. I think if we, we need someone who was, who was a specialist at keeping us up and nicking shitty wins, uh, and then we can have a rebuild in the summer when we've got more, more time to do so. Or if he's going to come in now, he needs to be the pragmatic one at this moment in time, realise what he's doing isn't working properly, and then go again in the summer. Because as James rightly says, I, I don't see us staying up. If we, if we can't get points from the games we've got coming up, uh, the games that have just gone by, it's not going to happen. So I do, I do think he needs to be more pragmatic and, you know, fewer goals conceded, uh, less goals scored. I mean, it is, it is worrying stuff. So I, I think the big thing Point, I guess for me is I was expecting some kind of improvement, some kind of step forward. 
And okay, you can argue that we've had two more points. I don't really think that's a huge thing at this stage of the game, but there's a lot of other worrying metrics there. And I think unless he makes a change, it doesn't matter who else comes in for us. I think we're in a lot of trouble. I think that those stats go to show that there is some sort of tactical and mindset change that's needed here. Because, um, you know, like James said, we are right to question a manager at this point, I think. Just a quick Adam, one, sorry. Chris, before you go, go to Adam. Adam. Sorry, just, just a very quick one. Um, I want to make a point on this. I personally think the only thing, the only positive thing he's done is improve Joe Linton, right? That yeah. might be slightly controversial. If you look at these 10 games and you think what, what really the positives from it, Joe Linton, yes, he looks a different player now. I thought he was outstanding against Man United, etc. Defensively, we are still leaking goals left, right and centre. And there has been no improvement to that defence at all. Mistakes are happening all of the time. And this was something you would think he would have cut out. Yes, there is an argument that this current squad isn't good enough. And I totally get that. But have we really seen a new manager bounce, as you rightly said, Chris? I don't think we have. Personally, I think we made a mistake in not offering the job outright to Gerard. He would have kept this team up and he would have improved this defence. But that's a whole other debate. Well, we'll get into that in another episode, I think. But Adam, it's a good point. I mean, is is Eddie Howe's plan wrong, or is his plan right and the players are wrong? Where is this broken, and where does it begin to re be repaired, really, mate? Well, I think only Newcastle could could not get a new manager bounce by bringing in a new manager. Uh, you know, it's like a new manager bounce is almost guaranteed. I mean, even Claudio Ranieri, I think, won his first two games or two he out of his first three, yeah. and he's lost lost seven after that. But you know, only Newcastle could get a new manager and not have a new manager bounce. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, how's Eddie Eddie doing badly? Um, whose fault is it? Uh, it's sort of everybody's fault. Uh, it's, you know, it's sort of Mike Ashley's fault because the squad is the squad, right, that, that, that he inherited. Uh, it's sort of Steve Bruce's fault because he's played such negative, depressing football um, for, for two, two and a half seasons, whatever it is. Um, but it's very hard to unwind that attitude quickly. Um, it's also Eddie Howe's fault. I don't think he's done well in game management, um, which is a, a skill that is not easily picked up. Um, certainly glad I don't have to make those types of decisions, but he has done poorly in games. Um, does he have a strategy that he's developing? Well, we've had three or four different formations um, with the same group of players, the same 12 or 13 players that he's probably used to start games. So if he is developing something, um, it's not it's not developing very well. Um, does he get a bit of the benefit of the doubt having inherited such a bad team? Um, yeah, he does get a bit of a benefit of doubt. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, we need to stay in the Premier League. Will he take the blame if we go down? He'll take quite a lot of the blame. Um, if it was a pie, there'd be plenty of pie for Ashley and for Bruce and for other people. Um, but I think he would he would take a lot of the blame um, if we go down. It's not too late um, for Eddie Howe to turn it around. I'm certainly not hashtagging you know Howe out or any of that bullshit. Um, but there is clearly uh, there is clearly a problem in that squad and with what the new management team. Um, are doing it. It's it's just not working yet. I keep I keep feeling like we're about to feel it click. You know, sort of every game. Yeah. There's a little there's a little period in every game where it's like, all right, that that's going to be who we are, and that's going to click, um, and that's going to stay. Uh, and it just hasn't worked. My my bigger fear with how and the success or lack of success 
it's not just about um, sort of what's happening on the pitch. It's when you go into work or you go into training every day and you, you sort of feel better about having Eddie Howe as your manager. I'm talking about the players now. They show up feeling a bit better about Eddie Howe being their manager. But how long do you stop? How long until you stop listening when you just see the results continuing to be the same? Yeah. You, you know, you might like some of the ideas. You might get a, a bit of a bounce from it being a fresher voice, a younger voice. Sounds like they're doing one or two things at the training ground that might improve the player's experience. But, you know, if you're if you're Joe Willock or Jamal Lascelles or even Kieran Trippier, like how long will you just continue to listen to him develop this strategy if on the off on match days it just isn't working? Um, and that happened to Bruce. It certainly felt like everyone just gave up on Bruce. Whether he was telling them things or not, I have no idea. So with how it's sort of a question of is he telling them the right things and they're not doing it? And that's a big problem. Or is he telling them the wrong things and they are doing them and it's still going wrong, right? So there's going to be this period of, of time now, maybe it's two games, maybe it's three games, where we need to see a dramatic improvement. We need to see it start clicking um, or we'll certainly be going down. And my guess is you'll be out in the summer because that's what tends to happen to managers when they go down. I, I, I think there's a really yeah. Sorry, Dave, go on. It's just uh, further your point as well. I think everyone's, you know, having a go at St. Max. I think if I'm him, I'm thinking, well, you've told me to press and run around like a lunatic. And the only time I'm scoring a goal is when I'm taking the ball off someone, skinning three people and sticking it in the back of the net. <laughs> you know, screw you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. And that's wrong. But, and again, I'm not suggesting that's what's happening. And I reiterate, I don't think this is all Eddie Howe's fault. But at a point you've got to start to ask the question you know as we've said before people he's screaming at people to press and do this and do that in the match and he's not doing it so maybe that is why saint max is thinking well, screw you because you know and again maybe i'm you know i'm definitely oversimplifying the situation but there's something in that because i was thinking about this today when was the last time that we scored a goal that we created like not you know i'm not i'm not saying some sort of stunning team goal that you would see on soccer am i'm just saying where someone played a pass and someone knew that pass was coming and made the run and scored probably the brentford game one of one of those goals one of the cross goals from there um probably you know the the, the spurs game we ended up losing but that first goal that callum wilson scored early doors you know if you think about a lot of our last goals that I, i'm struggling to think of one that we've crafted as a team you know, the game we won even, okay, Willock's crossed the ball in, I think it was Willock, but the keeper still come out and drop the ball. <laughs> yes, it's a good finish. We've not crafted that goal. You know, the Man United goal, the, the Watford goal, that's a bit of magic from one person. So, again, to further to that point is, you know, there is definitely some kind of disconnect there. And I do think it explains a lot of the behaviour, if you like, of, of some of the players. I, I think as well that there's something in. I'm not saying for one second I think Steve Bruce is a good manager because he's not. He's a dinosaur. I'll make that abundantly clear. Um, a bacon loving dinosaur. But I think when you get players like Sir Maximin who wants a cuddle, wants a bit of a fuss made over him in terms of, hey, do you know what? You're our man. You just get out there and you do what you think's right, Alan. I think someone like Sir Maximin will play better under a manager like Bruce who will just let him get on with it. Whereas Eddie Howe wants more out of them, as you rightly say, Di. And you're almost in a bit of a conflict between the touchline and the pitch. And if he's your most influential player, you know, it's it's not working out. He's going to throw his dummy out and say, well, do you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to do my own thing. Then he goes off and the whole team breaks 
And then that's when we kind of lose that discipline and lose that shape. And that's when we'll leave ourselves open. So if anyhow is trying to get that team to defend as a unit, he's got to drop some maximum, but then it'll come back and bite him because if he drops some maximum, there's nobody to create anything, especially when Wilson isn't there. So short of adding somebody who can do that, I really don't think that Eddie Howe has, a, has an option here. Really, he has to find a way to work with this enigma, maverick, whatever you want to call him. I do laugh because I always make fun of people and say that's just a way to say he's not a wanker, coming up with some kind of superlative <laughs> name. Like, you know, all these all these different district, descriptive names. But but I'm not saying Sir Maxman is a wanker. He's a lovable wanker. But, you know, I can imagine someone like Paul Dummett or Lewis will be like looking at him going, for fuck's sake, come back and do something. Will you help me out? And it's just not the way he plays. We've all played Sunday League with a guy like that before. But I just think that there's a real issue here that maybe Eddie Howe, as clever as he is, articulate and visionary and everything else that he does, you know, with his clipboards and all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> he doesn't quite understand what he's, what tools he's got at his, at his disposal. He's trying to get players to do jobs that they can't do. And I think that that goes back really to the fact that this squad is so unbalanced, as Adam said before, because of years of just totally neglect and, and not, not improving on the quality. So I mean, I, the truth is, I don't know what the answers are, lads, really. I mean, you know, James, you tell me otherwise. I think unless you bring in four players... What the hell can you do to fix it or potentially try and stay up? That's the only solution, isn't it? There is no yeah. other solution right now. Um, I don't think what Eddie Howe is doing on the training ground is working. And, you know, we've done that to death tonight. So, yeah, what is the what is the alternative? You throw money at the problem. And we are now going to lead us into talking about some some potential transfers, which we are nice absolutely segue. desperate for. Nice segue, desperate. mate. You practiced that. Well done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So who's your, who's do you want to talk? Do you want to go with Diego Carlos first? I think we're, we're looking at that yeah, one. Yeah, so so Diego Carlos appears to be the name. It won't go yeah. away, as Adam rightly says. I'll, I'll trick it over Adam there because Adam had a bit to say about the lad before. So so Mark smashed up a, a crack and slide here, as he always does. We love you, Mark. Top man. And you can see there that obviously from, from the season stats, you know, he, he does look a competent centre-half. I've seen some people talk on Twitter about, he's, you know, he has a wobble in him and all this kind of stuff. And to which I responded, have you seen Newcastle United's defence? You know, so if he has a wobble in him, Jesus Christ, he'll still be better by far. But Adam, looking at that slide, I think the one thing that stands out to me, mate, is the tackles, uh, one out of the total tackles, 26 to 30, mate. Would you be happy to see Carlos come in, mate? Would he fix the problem? Well, he wouldn't fix a problem on his own, um, but he would go a long way to fixing a long-standing problem um, that Newcastle have had. They haven't signed a centre-back since they signed um, Federico Fernandez on transfer deadline day, I think in 2018. Um, Fabian Shah came in you know, the summer before that. So they haven't signed a centre-back in a long time. And it's quite clear that really all of our centre-backs have regressed um, over the last couple of years, particularly Jamal Lascelles, which is um, you know a huge issue for the club because he's the club captain. So he's going to be in some ways sort of forced to play until he's clearly replaced. Um, I think Diego Carlos would be a tremendous signing. Um, they're going to have to spend a, a huge amount of money, obviously break their transfer, rec transfer record um, in order to get him. But I think... The problem with signing a player like Diego Carlos um, is it, on his own, he's not going to change the way we play. He, he might stop a few more goals going in, which, trust me, we need desperately. And frankly, any centre-back would be better than the pair that, that started at the weekend. Um, but Diego Carlos only really helps us stay up is if he's part of three or four signings. Um, and I made the point earlier, I think, that at this stage of the window in the back half of it, 
getting the players we wanted versus the players that are available is is going to be a massive issue now. Um, I think the last 72 hours of the window could be quite spicy. A lot of action could happen um, in those last couple of days. But you know, we're going to we're going to Leeds in a must-win game at this weekend with with um, Lascelles and Shaw as our centre backs, and that is a massive problem. And we can speak um, if you want. We can talk about whether their transfer policy um, has worked over this window. The jury is still out. Um, I lean on the exactly. side of I lean on the side of probably not. Um, I think they had. You know the odds stacked against them, given that they've got no one experience at the club in doing transfers. Nicky Hammond only lasted seven or eight days, um, so that didn't work out very well. Um, you know they did a good deal for Kieran Trippier; that was an excellent transfer um, for all involved. Um, as I said earlier, they overpaid for Chris Wood, but he was what was available at a time where they had to have a striker signed. They had to have a centre back signed this week. Um, and it's you know now Wednesday night. We've got less than less than forty eight hours till the registration cutoff. Um, that's without a work visa, by the way. So even if they signed Carlos now, they wouldn't get him in um, for Friday's deadline because visas will take too long. Um, plus COVID restrictions if you're traveling over from Spain, you know all of those things. Um, so it's desperate, desperate times. I would love to see them sign Diego Carlos though. I just at this point, I'm not sure it's going to happen. There's one thing I saw on the slide there, actually, that, that stands out to me, Di, just to bring you in as well. There's, there's one thing I think our defenders don't really do a lot of recently, and that's score goals. And he's got 12 goals so far in his career, Carlos. He's obviously a threat from set pieces. And with the likes of Trippier, who can deliver a ball now, maybe that could be an asset, do you think, if we get him in? Yeah, I, you know, I think we've got to be realistic here. I think something needs to happen. And, and Adam's right, if we don't get someone at the back, um, you know, is that going to change our season? Perhaps not. But it is definitely going to be a big... Uh, addition, no, no question, because we need that. We need someone who's more reliable at the back. Severo have conceded 12 goals, I think, this season. have got the best defence in La Liga, which is a fantastic achievement, and he's obviously a big part of that. Um, I actually, going back and looking up some stuff earlier, I realised I actually saw him play uh, for Estoril at the start of his career, completely by accident. I went to uh, to watch a sport in Lisbon game uh, a while ago, and uh, he he was playing as it turned out. When I'm kind of doing a bit of research on that, which I thought was a nice coincidence, I would love to give you some uh, thrilling insight into how well he played that day. Uh, I was really quite drunk on the on one. Year I was going to say, how many pints did you have? So uh, you know, from, from what I remember, he was the best centre back I've ever seen. But um, um, I think the one thing that I do remember from that day is that uh, Estoril were not a, uh, a big side, still aren't by any stretch of the imagination, but they did beat Sport in Lisbon that day, uh, 3-1. So maybe he was a key part of that. I'm, I'm sure, you know, in some part of my drunken mind, I, uh, I, I can remember a wonderful performance from him that day. In all seriousness, we need something. And, you know, yeah. like, like Adam said, there's, there's problems, there's visas, there's COVID, there's all sorts of stuff. We need something, and at this stage, I was I, I was under the impression this one had been done last night. By the way, and, and you know, various sources were reporting that personal terms had already been agreed with the player. Um, I believe we were going to to triple his salary to what he's currently on. I think we were going to offer him one hundred and fifty thousand a week, and by all means, he'd accept it. But now we are at a point with Sevilla playing hardball, and then, as Adam mentioned before, wanting more like the forty to fifty million pound mark, and. Uh, 
why are we messing about with this? Just pay whatever they want for him. And, and it's not like we can't afford it. There's, what, 10, 11 days of the window left to go. We've got to bring in a centre-half. A centre-half was our number one target before the window opened. Just give them the money because we are desperate. We need we need to bring him in. I think the thing, thing they don't want to get done. Sorry. Well, yeah, just before you jump in there, Diet, just hit, hit, here's a point on this. The club is caught between a, a rock and a, another rock. Um, because every club knows how desperate we are. Every club knows that we can afford to pay basically whatever price they want to charge. And every player knows that they can ask us for wages through the roof. So the club is playing this incredibly difficult game. I have some sympathy given their lack of experience that they don't want to set a precedent for every other transfer window that every player we want to sign we have to pay the Newcastle luxury tax of 50%. However, we're second bottom and we've got 18 games to go or whatever, and we're going to get relegated. If they don't take the hard choice to set that precedent, I would much rather... Now, again, it's not my money, so I don't give a shit. If it was my money, maybe it would be different. But in my opinion, they've got to worry about the next window when we get there and the one after that when we get there. Has to be right. worth the gamble. Has yeah, to be right, worth the gamble. Right now, we just have to bite the bullet. And if Sevilla want whatever, 50 million quid, we've got to go do that. And by the way, I believe they could have got Sven Botman had they just set, had they just gone to 45 million, which I think is what... Paid the money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which is what yeah. they wanted. So I, I, I understand how difficult it is for them because they don't want to get in a position where every other transfer window, there's a 50% Newcastle luxury tax. But right now, that's not going to matter if we get relegated. No. It's, it's going to be irrelevant. So they've got I, to I wrote, do what they've got yeah. to do. Yeah. I wrote a piece for the blog, Di, just before, before I bring you in here. And, and, and I used a sentence in the, in, the, in the article where I said, if you're up Shits Creek without a paddle, don't start questioning how much the paddle costs. Just buy it and pedal like fuck until you get to safety. And that's basically where they're at. I think at the minute, Adam, as you, as you more articulately put them myself, that they can't afford to hag over people now because they are literally on the edge of the cliff and they have to do what they have to do to get off the cliff. And then those windows are completely different because you're a Premier League side. You've got money to spend. You can start the season again. You know, and it isn't what we are right now, which is literally a building on fire looking for an extinguisher. Sorry, Di, you wanted to say your bit, mate. I'll drag you back in there. No, so I was basically going to say the same as Adam. I I, I, yeah. I do think the only thing I would disagree is where we've just got to go and pay the money. Yeah, we do. But I do think, I, again, I do see it from their perspective in the sense of, let's say, you know, we, we spend 50 million on this boy and I'm sure he's going to have a relegation clause. He'll yeah. go for next, get next for nothing in the summer. I mean, that's not our problem because he could keep us up. Um, but I do see it from their side equally. Like, I think, you know, the, the, the outward facing opinion of them, if you like, the pride that they possess in terms of being this very wealthy, you know, they, they're not going to get done over by anyone, be it on, you know, in, in football transfers or in, you know, you know, any other political argument we could, uh, as a start. But, I think that is actually a really valid part of this. Unfortunately, I agree with you. You know, they should just go and buy it. If I had 300 and something billion, I would not be haggling over 5 million. But there's probably a reason that they have 300 something billion and I don't. So, uh, you know, who, yeah. am I, who am I to question their methods? 
That's a good point. So just moving on from Carlos, which looks like it could be a goer, to, to a couple of other names. I'm going to give you the ridiculous first, James. Eden Hazard. He doesn't like bridges, apparently, mate. Tell me about that fat little Belgian bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he has put the beef on in uh, in recent he months, has. hasn't he? I, I thought he would have loved the Greggs. I thought he would have loved the Greggs, Eden Hazard. I think he's, uh, yeah, uh, he, hasn't, I, he hasn't tried I, it yet. Oh there is there is no way in hell we're going to get Eden Hazard. It's absolutely crazy to even consider that one. Um, one I will mention very quickly, which I think is a lot more realistic, potentially, is um, Duvan Zapata. Um, this would be a lone move. He's a big physical unit, quick, can score goals. He's exactly what we need. Good in the air. He's he's an upgrade on Chris Wood. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure the two could play together, but but who knows? And has done it at an international level also, scored a few goals for, for Colombia over the years and playing in a very good Atlanta side right now, but he can't get in their team at the moment as he's, he's behind Lewis Muriel, his first choice. So I think this one is a very, very uh, big potential to partner. I can see this one happening because the player needs to get out of the club and um, we've got the, the money to, to pay the wages. But um, I think we need we need another, um, either a centre-forward or, or, or possibly an attacking player. I think Jesse Lingard's been mentioned as well, hasn't he? I don't yeah. think this one will happen. I don't think he'll want mm. to come and play in a relegation battle. He's too good for that. The issue with this one, just very quickly, his contract runs out in the summer and he, he basically will go anywhere he wants for free then. It's going to be West Ham, as we all know, and they'll be in Europe next season. Yes, I would love to sign him. He'd be a brilliant addition, but I don't think he'll come because realistically, what has he got to gain from potentially getting relegated? It would be different if the World Cup this year was in the summer, as I know he's desperate to get back in that England squad. So if, if it had been the summer, he probably would have came. But with it being in December in Qatar, I just think he'll wait it out another few months and then he'll be on his way, way to West Ham at the end of the season. So, Adam, on, on the Lingard one, to bring you in, mate, um, there was talk that Manchester United didn't want to sell to a, a European Champions League chasing rival. And obviously, West Ham and Spurs would would be that. So, are, are you are you on the same side as James? Do you think there's no chance Lingard's going to dance his way into the into the time, mate, or, or do you think he might he might uh, have a little a little jig at St James's Park? Well, anything's possible. Um, so I don't I can't say for sure that we won't sign him. The, the, the thing about Jesse Lingard. Um, that worries me a little bit is it's a little bit of a luxury signing. And I, I don't mean that like he'd be bad for the team. I just think that like, I don't, I don't know how signing Jesse Lingard sort of dynamically changes our prospects of staying up. Um, and by the way, the same goes for like Todd Cantwell, which I'm already predicting transfer deadline day. We're going to sign Todd Cantwell um, out of pure desperation. I just, I just don't know what they do necessarily to fix any of the big problems. I mean, I, They'll, they'll create a little bit more. Jesse Lingard can score a goal or two. Um, I just don't know whether he's up for the scrap. And at the end of the day, that's that's sort of where we are now. Um, we need scrappers. We need we need someone to come in and sort of change the mentality of the group. The other problem with Lingard is not only will he cost a lot of money if they're going to buy him, but his wages are going to be off the map, right? Um, and that worries me a little bit about sort of Carlos as well. If we are going to triple or quadruple this guy's salary, you know, does that affect the group? Does that affect the squad if suddenly, you know, someone's earning twice as much as anybody else? So it's it's a really it's a really shitty situation to be in. Um, just for me, Lingard, someone you buy if you've already covered all of the other problems, and we've got so many other problems. I'm just not sure. I don't want us to sign someone for the sake of signing someone, and Lingard feels a, a little bit like that to me, unless you know it, he's the linchpin in Eddie's master plan. 
And that's why we haven't seen the best of Eddie Howe's team yet, because he hasn't got Jesse Lingard. I'm not sure how that works myself, but maybe the two go hand in hand. We're not seeing the way Eddie wants to play because he's not got someone in his squad that can do whatever Jesse can do at number 10 or number 11. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's what we're not seeing. But I, I struggle to see it for myself. Well, there's plenty of parties going on at number 10, Adam. So uh, Jess Lingard would look all right there dancing away, wouldn't he? So, Di, now, I've, now you've stopped laughing, mate. I'll bring you into this one. So we'll finish up with two names. Um, one is exactly the problem that Adam's just described eloquently there, is Deli Ali. No for me, 100%. And the other one is your mate, Rambo himself, Aaron uh, Ramsey, who apparently has declined an option to come to Newcastle. I'm pissed off you've this in the process, mate. So so uh, take us home with those two, mate, and let me know what you think about those two as targets. Um, I, I, I've got to be honest with you. I I do think Ali would be an upgrade. At the end of the day, we we've got we need someone for six months to keep us up. At, at this stage of the game, is he worth a gamble? Probably, because what's the alternative? You know, Shelby, do me a favour. So I, I don't. For, for me, I I I, I would actually wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't buy him. He certainly wouldn't be at the no. top of my of my Christmas card list. But I, I would still at this stage of the game, I think it's worth a punt. I think Ramsey, I think I said this last time we talked about it, I, I don't think he'll come. I think he will end up not moving at all. He's got COVID. Um, you know, there's there's a few other obstacles in place. I think his dream move is probably somewhere in London. Because I think his, Crystal um, Palace have said, haven't they? That's been the big link, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I think, again, are they are they going to pay 150 grand? He was on 500, well, after tax, 400 grand a week. Crazy that, isn't it? You know, he's... Palace aren't going to pay him 150 grand, 200 grand a week. That's not happening. So I, I don't see that happening unless they break the bank or he takes a huge pay cut. Um, yeah. So my my 10 pence worth is, I think it will either transpire, you, you're talking about Campwell being our deadline day signing. I actually think if Ramsey goes anywhere, it will be us purely for the wages situation. And I and I do think that he, that might be our, our, our last moment deal. I think the... The thing for me is, yes, we probably need someone in every other position if we wanted to. And it's it's easy for us to say, uh, you know, we don't need this person without that person. And da, 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 da. Yes, we need five more players. You know, I don't think we can disagree that. Like and, and like Tim is saying there, you know, Lingard would make a massive difference. Goals and assists. Of course, of course. I think I, he would as well. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think we can argue that. I, I think there is an element that is there's no point having him unless someone like Wurtu we've got is going to score us the goal. So then yeah. does that negate the point of signing him? I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird circle. I think the thing that would make a huge difference and would make it a, a big change, even if we didn't get anyone else, would be some sort of box-to-box type midfield. I know you're a big fan of Isuma, Chris. And I, again, I'm not yeah. suggesting that's going to happen, but we need that kind of player because we need someone to grab a game by the balls and and be proactive and drag us at the pitch. And, you know, Joe Linton's, Joe Linton's been a revelation. It's because we've worked out by accident that he can play midfield. He's, he's not <laughs> How long will that last, though? How long will that it's last? Not saying. That's it's question. not a realistic long-term solution, is it? He's not... This can't last forever. He runs around a lot. He's very physical. You know, yeah. he hasn't... You know, he hasn't done a huge amount in that position in, in terms of contributing to us scoring goals, which is still what I think he should be there for. I'm not having a go at the lad. I think he's done really, really well and he's definitely made a difference to our team. But those kind of performances aren't keeping us up because he just runs around a lot. He, he sometimes, you know, by trying to cover other people, leaves holes that other people need to <laughs> plug. And, and it just becomes, again, a vicious circle. And we just start, you know, circling the drain a bit, which is what I fear is happening now. So for me, that big box-to-box type player, uh, a goal-scoring midfielder, what a novelty. Um, 
that is the kind of person we need i think you know obviously i'd love ramsey to come in and i could you know i could give you a selection of welsh options if you wanted to meet ethan ampadu is another one i think i would you know i would have in a heartbeat to 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 stay true to my roots and always bring up a welsh player on this pod so I would take him because he can play centre half or he can play holding midfielder. He's a bit of a bastard. He's got a great pass about him. You know, I appreciate. Is he is he going to leave Venice um, uh, to come and play in Newcastle for six months? Probably not. But um, the, the point is, there are players out there in those positions we need. Yes, Lingard would be great. I would take Ali. Yes, Ramsey would be amazing. But I still don't think it ultimately solves the problem. And like 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 Adam said, unless we get all of those other pieces as well, which you know, is a is a huge ask, I guess. It's certainly going to be a massive two weeks, lads, for the transfer window. But that's, that's pretty much wrapped up for tonight's episode of Evermore. Thank you so much, everyone, who joined us in the comments. Please remember to like and click subscribe. We'll be back next week with another episode of Evermore with the lads, hopefully off the back of a win against Leeds. Me and Mark will be back on Thursday with a, a fixture focus with a Leeds fan who, weirdly enough, has actually given us more of a chance than probably us four are on this podcast, which is very strange. So uh, make sure you tune in for that, guys. But until then, let's all just continue supporting that team we'll call United and hope to bloody Christ we get a result. Okay, lads, have a good one. See you later. See you, lads. Take care.